Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN, the big... Sosa and McGuire documentary is coming up June 14th that night on ESPN. And the Cardinals not only were a team that was watching Mark McGuire hit 70 home runs in 1998, but they were trying to get into the playoffs as well. They had made it in 96, missed in 97, and in 98 were trying to get back to the playoffs against Tony LaRusso. And we know they could hit, but they needed a pitch. And on June 23rd, they acquired Bobby Witt and he joined the club for the second half of the season. And Bobby, who's now an agent, joins us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN with Carriker and Smallman. Bobby Witt, great to have you with us in St. Louis and on 101 ESPN. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate that. Well, we appreciate you taking some time with us. You knew what you were walking into on June 23rd. What was it like to get traded to the Cardinals and into Maguire Mania? Uh, it was... Uh... It, it's kind of hard to describe. I mean, just just the excitement and what was going on over there. And uh, I I previously got to play with Mark on the '84 USA team, uh, the Olympic team actually, and then in Oakland. So I knew him and I knew Tony. And uh, so there was a little bit of uh, a few of the other guys over there too. Uh, Dave Duncan, you know, he was my pitching coach in Oakland. So I, I had a little familiarity with those with those guys and uh, just getting over there, there was a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz, especially with what Mac was doing that year. Do you remember batting practice? Yes. Yes. <laughs> what was um, like? I, one of, one of the batting practices that, that I remember we went into Shea and um, playing the Mets on the road. And, and um, I, I think there was probably at least, Probably already anywhere from twenty twenty five thousand people in the stands just to watch Mark's batting practice, and this was something that was becoming common when we went on the road to see, you know, to to play visiting teams. You would see people coming out just to watch him take his batting practice, and usually when a guy gets in there, I think sometimes they're taking anywhere from seven to eight swings in that first round. Well, every single one of his first swings was a home run and then he proceeded in the next round i think to hit maybe five or six more so it was it, it was incredible i think you know at, at that time he had like you know 14 15 consecutive pitches he had hit out and usually guys are working on going the other way moving a runner over and that type of stuff he just got out and just said i'm just gonna mash right now and i think he ended up hitting maybe one or two that night wow bobby you had a front row seat to what mark mcguire was doing from a pitcher's perspective how did you view it when you would watch other pitchers attack him would you think oop that's a bad idea or just how did you guys as pitchers discuss the way other pitchers were approaching mark mcguire well, what what the thing that the, one of the things that I saw was that it was you know no matter how hard guys were throwing they weren't they weren't able to you know throw a fastball by him um, you know there were certain areas I think that you know with any time you're facing a big powerful guy like that I think you want to try to get in on his hands a little bit you know to try to 
jam him, uh, you know, crowd him a little bit so he can't get fully extended and use his power, and then hopefully maybe the breaking ball away late to get him out. But uh, but he was dialed in like I've never seen anybody before that year. And I know that uh, one of the one of the games that that come to my mind, we were in St. Louis and. Um, Billy Wagner was pitching and coming in the closet, you know, throwing about a hundred miles an hour and just incredible stuff. And I believe we were down. I know we were down by a run and it was in the ninth and uh, somebody got on in front of Mark, I think with a couple outs. And, um, you know, this was, this was something that everybody was looking at because you had the, the power of Mark and you had the, you know, the velocity of Billy Wagner. So this is going to be a good matchup. And he ended up, I think the first pitch he blew it by him. And then the second pitch, he might've fouled it off. And then it was a ball. And uh, he's still ahead in the count. He tried to throw a fastball by him. And I, I, it was at least 99, 100. I don't, can't remember exactly what the velo was. But I know that it went in that third deck at the old <laughs> stadium. And it was absolute. It looked like a golf ball. You know, it just been hit. And it was just an absolute rocket. And uh, at that point, you're just sitting there, man. You just sit there. And go, they can't even, you know, sneak a fastball by him at this point. So he was pretty locked in. And, um, you know, the, the rest of the year had continued to be like that. Bobby Witt, former Cardinal pitcher with us on 101 ESPN. He's an agent now. Uh, Bobby, obviously you, like other baseball players, you're day-to-day creatures. And I talk to a lot of players who you get to July and August and don't even pay attention to what the standings are. In September, you do. But what about that home run chase? Were players paying attention to McGuire versus Sosa? I think so, absolutely. It was. I know, I know as a teammate, uh, of, of Max and, and just what was going on. Absolutely. You know, every day I think people were trying to figure out and, you know, there was word being spread that right after the game, I think, you know, if Sammy had hit one, you know, and then, you know, you know, you're just sitting and watching and seeing what was going to happen that night. Hopefully Mark was going to take the lead and, you know, you're pulling for him. I mean, and I uh, want him to go out there and do this thing. And it, it, the thing is, is that, you know, it just, it really didn't matter the opponent at the time, especially during the end. It was just a matter of, you know, people coming out wanting to see this, wanting to see him, you know, have that opportunity to get a shot and break it. And uh, it was just an incredible, incredible buzz for baseball. It was amazing. One thing that I learned during those years that he was here, 97 through 01, and Bobby, you played 16 years, so you know better than I. The, the best judges of people are the clubhouse guys. And the clubhouse guys adored Mark McGuire. Said he was a great teammate. And you got that chance to spend not only the time with him here, but before that. Uh, what was your read on him under all the pressure that he was? How, how was he as a teammate that year? Oh, he was great. I mean, he was doing, he was doing things that, you know, you just didn't expect. I mean, there was what he would do is, I think when he broke the National League record, um, he was getting like when they would rub up the baseballs, the umpires before the game. There were so many balls that they would rub up. He was he was taking the balls that weren't used in that game and and actually, pers- you know, personalizing a ball to each player um, that that was on the team that year and putting it in their locker and just doing little things like that. And anytime, you know, he was just getting inundated with autograph requests and things like that. But you never saw him. You know, if he didn't hit, you know, I think Mac was still, with all this going on, he was still a team guy, and he's always been like he wanted what was best for the team. So it was hard to deflect a lot of that. But, I mean, he did an incredible job of just going about his business and not worrying, you know. I mean, obviously I thought he put the team first and then, you know, you know, trying to hit the trying to hit home runs. But, I mean, if he had a game or two where he didn't hit, he just, you know, it wasn't something where you saw a panic or anything like that. He was just in a place 
where he was just, at, at, you know, knowing what he was trying to accomplish. And it was just amazing. It, it, and it's hard to get like that. But he was there and he was locked in. And that was something that, um, you know, I remember him just, you know, he's, he's always been, a, a, I think, a great teammate. Uh, no doubt about that. Bob, we'd love to get your perspective on what's happening right now in Major League Baseball with the negotiations between the owners and the Players Association because not only are you a former player, but you're now a senior client manager and agent for Octagon Baseball Agency. So uh, you obviously have a very great perspective on everything that's happening right now. The news of the day is that Cubs owner Tom Ricketts spoke about what's happening with the negotiations, etc. And one of the quotes that he has is, quote, the scale of losses across the league is biblical when he's talking about the financial losses that owners are facing as a player agent and a former player what's your reaction to that quote well i mean you know you don't uh we we don't have the opportunity to see exactly what a lot of these owners you know you can see what they're making at certain um you know certain as far as the revenue streams but sometimes um you know you're not you're not seeing everything as far as the books and that and i think that's something that the players association would like to see exactly you know where where they're showing the losses um you know and how how they've been over the years um this industry that has been going on for the last 10 years it showed incredible amount of uh profit and it, you know it continued to and obviously this year is not going to be the case but uh throughout the game um over the years it's been it's been just on a steady incline and i think that's what the players are looking at and and uh, understandably everybody knows what's going on in the country right now with the covid-19 and and certain things there, and, and, and it's a tough situation. But I just hope that, uh, you know, there's there's some things that can get ironed out and, and we can get this thing back to where it needs to be and, uh, you know, start playing some baseball. As you look at it from your perspective, what's your confidence level about baseball being played in 2020? Well, I'm a pretty optimistic person, so I'm, I'm hoping, uh, you know, things can get, get done, whether it's, uh, you know, the 80-game schedule, 65 game schedule. I mean, any type of baseball I think would be good. Um, but again, you know, both sides have to get somewhere in the ballpark to, to get this thing done. And right now it doesn't look like they're, they're there yet, but there's still time. So I don't know. I, I'm like I say, I, I don't know. I can't know if I can give you an exact percentage, but I'm just hoping that, uh, you know, something gets resolved. Bobby, one last thing. I remember a game when you were pitching for Oakland in 1994. We're coming up on the anniversary where you would have had a perfect game if we had replay right now. At least that's the way I look at it. How do you look at it? June 23rd, 1994. I got to agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I believe it was, uh, it was the sixth inning, and um, it was a play at first base where I had, I had beat the runner to the base. Um, Greg Gagney pushed on into first, and Troy Neal pitched it to me, and I, I was covering the base. My foot hit. Greg Gagney's foot hit, and he was he was out. But uh, unfortunately, the umpire did not see it that way, called him safe. And then from that point on, I continued to pitch. Uh, no hits. Um, and then that was it. It was one hit, 14 strikeouts, no walks. So uh, I, I think if the replay was there, it definitely would have been a, uh, you know, would have been a perfect game. But it wasn't, but, uh, you know, I, one of those deals where, you know, you just, uh, you know, you're happy you had the opportunity to do what you did. And, um, you know, I think that I know, and maybe all the people in Oakland that day saw it, saw it the same way. Bobby Witt, great to have you with us here in St. Louis, reminiscing about the days of McGuire and what's going on now. Thanks so much for taking the time. Have a great day. And hopefully, uh, like you said, we'll have a baseball season. 
All right. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Take care.